Hi everyone, welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And we're here for another episode of Have You Got a Minute? We sure are. And this week, so our Have You Got a Minute, I feel like to make up for the fact that, you know, we delivered two Have You Got a Minutes back to back. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Because it's our show. And it's our show and we do what we want. It's our goddamn show. (laughs) And there's no rules. (laughs) But to kind of make up for that, we kind of decided that this week's Have You Got a Minute, we're not going to talk about a Heritage Minute, but it is going to be me teaching Linnea a little history and teaching myself because I really had no idea about this. But it was something that I really wanted to talk about. And I think that it's really important. Then I am excited to hear. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this week, we are talking about the incredibly important Canadian invention of the Wonder Bra. What? Yeah. <laughs> to be to be completely honest and transparent here, when you started, I was like, oh man, it's going to be the zipper. And I've got no qualms with the zipper. <laughs> the zipper is a great invention. I was just like, okay, okay, we're going with the zipper. The Wonder Bra is Canadian? It is. And so I knew Wonder Bra was Canadian, but I, I didn't did know like how deep the roots were. Oh, they're deep, eh? Deep roots. <laughs> so we're going to go over the history of the Wonder Bra for like people who aren't aware. Wonder Bra yeah. was like the first company that had like what you know as a normal brassiere. Yeah. Something that is worn by women all over the world now. Yeah. And and to be fair, Grace and I are not flat chested gals. Like we've got we've got boobs. Today, I feel like it's not cool to have boobs. Like, growing up, you needed to have boobs. And now all fashion is like, yeah, here's this, like, spaghetti strap or, like, no strap top that you just, like, the expectation is you would wear it without a bra. And I'm like, that's not an option for me. Yeah, all these little backless numbers, I'm like, okay, those be really cute and all. But, like, these girls who wear these little stick-on things over their boobs, I'm like, that's not enough for me. No. And, like not like it's just it's just not enough for anyone and like I'm very much like I wear what I want or whatever but like the the girls are just gonna be out and like I don't want that like lady on the bus next to me doesn't want that like yeah and if you're like if you're a cis man or you have very you have a very small chest then like it's really hard to describe that it's like it's uncomfortable to not wear anything most of the time just because it's like sweaty especially in the summer Oh, in the summer it's just like I don't even want to get into it. No, it's just so much sweat. Like I finish a shift waitressing, so I usually wear a sports bra because I like to be comfy, especially if I do like a double shift or something. And there'll be like a point where I'll just go into the bathroom, and this is disgusting. But it's just like the boob sweat is unreal. It's like I literally put de- like I put deodorant yes, on like under always, before always. I go for like activity. <laughs> Before I get, like, when I get up in the morning, it's, like, pit, pit between the boobs. And it's, like, okay. Pit, pit, like, tit, tit. Yeah. Pit, pit. Oh, yeah. Because the underneath boobs sweat. That's oh, the worst for me, I have anyways. this problem because, like, on the weekends, I waitress and some evenings. And I have this issue is that I'll carry people's plates to them or away from them. And I'll get sauce, like, right here, which <laughs> I'm motioning to Grace is, like, under my boob. I can't see what's underneath my boobs in the run of a day. Like, I don't know what's down there. And so the girls will be like, Lene, you've got sour cream all over your left tit. And I'm like, where? Like, no, I don't. And they're like, um. And then I, like, lift up my shirt. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, again? <laughs> How long has that been there? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the 
wonder bra patent design hell yeah we are which i always knew was a canadian invention but actually it well, I knew it was a Canadian company, I guess, but the in, in the inventor actually lived in the United States, so we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Okay. I'm also just like going to the Wikipedia page to look at this because that's fine. Because it's our goddamn show. It is sure the, is our new mantra. <laughs> so before the Second World War broke out, elastic materials were rationed and unavailable for clothing. Of so course. I'm sure you probably hear it with like nylons, especially like girls yeah. like drawing on nylons, which is fucking insane. Insane. Because um, I always yeah. felt the opposite of like, oh, my mom's making me wear wear nylons. Yeah. Yeah. Israel pilot, which is the guy's name. Oh, he's not an Israeli pilot. He is not an Israeli His pilot. His name is Israel pilot. Okay. His name is Israel pilot. <laughs> okay. Israel Pilot designed an improved cup with a diagonal slash shoulder strap attachment. So, you know, he's like, he's looking at brassiers and he's like, I can make this better. (laughs) What a guy. (laughs) This innovation on existing bra design provided more comfort and freedom of movement for the wearer. He coined the name Wonder Bra in 1935. So I'm going to show Linnea a picture. Maybe we can we can show it on our website. But yeah. this is the original Wonder Bra. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that so was it's kind like, of what I was envisioning. It's like a bullet bra almost, yeah. but like soft and not obviously the Madonna bullet bra. It also doesn't bra. It also doesn't look uncomfortable. I mean, it's no. not the shape we're used to, but it looks kind of satiny. Like it looks... I feel like that shape is coming back, though. Yeah. The like, straps are thick, which I like. Like they're mm-hmm. not like super skinny, so you actually feel supported. Mm-hmm. But bringing it to Canada, so in 1939, Mo Nadler founded the Canadian Lady Corset Company. It's always men. Ugh. He created a small sewing shop in the heart of Montreal to make well-fitting, good-quality bras at a mid-range price. Uh, so at the time, also, fucking, if you don't wear bras, you have no idea how fucking expensive bras are. Oh, it's outrageous. At this time, a bra costs between one and a one dollar and a dollar fifty. Uh, and okay. that's mid-range okay that's today a, nice a cheap bra is like 25 dollars. Oh, i was gonna say 30 yeah like bra. as part of this effort he traveled to new york city and he met with israel pilot and licensed the wonder bra trademark and oh. the diagonal slash patent in canada the trademark lost the hyphen so initially it's wonder hyphen bra it just yeah. became one word um wonder bra and then they reintroduced Wonder Bra, no hyphen, into the U.S. market. It's okay. like, they'll never suspect a thing. <laughs> they'll never know. During the wartime years, Canadian apparel manufacturers were subjected to quotas on materials. So you can't just, okay. like, buy as much nylon as you want to. Elastics were unavailable, affecting the comfort and design of women's underwear. The diagonal slash offered a better fitting brassiere without elastics and became a, a competitive and that became a competitive advantage for Mo. From 1939 to 1955, Canadian Lady marketed several lines of intimate apparel including girdles, panties, slips, swimsuits, and brassieres under the Wonder Bra brand. The company was created The company also created sub-brands to target different socioeconomic and lifestyle segments of the consumer market. In contrast, in the U.S. market for Wonder Bra, 
Wonder Bra was actually quite a stagnant brand for Israel Pilots companies. So okay. for whatever reason, Wonder Bra is like really popular in Canada, but not <laughs> in the U.S. Weird. In 1952, Canadian lady launched Pedal Burst with anticipation. That just sounds like it's like a menstruation pedal thing. Pedal Burst. Pedal Burst. <laughs> with anticipation of tough negotiations with Damour. Uh, so Damour was Israel Pilots' U.S. company. Okay. Uh, around the expiration of the patent in 1955. This new line also adapted to a new fashion trend towards a pointed bust designed by Christian Dior's new look. The pedal burst by Wonder Bra line was successful and delivered 50% of bra sales by 1957. The post-patent negotiations were led by Mo Nadler. Damore no longer had leverage with a patent, but still demanded that the Canadian lady stopped using the designs and return the pattern templates. So they're like, you can't make Wonder Bra anymore. And they're like, but Canadians love Wonder Bra. They all want the Wonder Bra. They don't want that Italian and French bullshit. None of that crap. They don't want elastics. They don't want a new look. <laughs> they just want the Wonder Bra. <laughs> they just want Wonder Bra. And it's it's one of those things where, like, I guess it's maybe a Canadianism, but, like, growing up, Wonder Bra was just, like, the name for bras to it's me. It's like what my I don't mom know if that's calls like bras. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a specific kind of bra, like a push-up bra was a Wonder Bra. Yeah, it's you know like saying I mean? Kleenex when you just mean like facial tissue. It just yeah. like became synonymous with like a nice bra. Yeah, or like craft dinners, macaroni yes. and cheese. I don't know if that's yes. like a thing in the U.S. Probably isn't given the fact that they weren't super popular. Mo Nadler ignored this demand. So he's like, I will not give you back the pattern <laughs> to make this bra. Also, haven't you been making it long enough that you just right? don't know? I um, honestly just assumed Wonderbra was like German and it was like Wunderbra. Wunderbra. <laughs> I really did. I was like, oh, that's the Germans again. Just thinking about boobs all day. <laughs> uh, uh, and instead, he successfully acquired the Canadian, European, and Asian rights to the Wonderbra trademarks. This allowed the company to move forward into the 1960s with the brand intact. By the mid-1960s, Canadian Lady was exporting and licensing the Wonder Bra line to Western Europe, Australia, South Africa, Israel, and the West Indies. In the 1970s, Canadell acquired the remaining worldwide rights to the trademark and licensed Gilt Tex, a Canadian pantyhose manufacturer acquired by Sarah Lee in the 1980s, to use Wonder Bra brand on hosiery in Canada. So, now we get to the exciting part. This wasn't exciting. This is exciting. But we're now getting to the development of the push-up bra. Oh, the Which wire. is why I always think of Wonder Bra yeah. as a push-up bra. Yeah. Because initially when I saw it, I was like, that's not a Wonder Bra. <laughs> it's like a Wonder Bra is like a push-up bra. It's like, wow. <laughs> Wonder Bra is like infomercial push-up bras for anyone yeah. who's not from Canada. <laughs> it's like yeah. they would be on the TV and they, it's always like a woman in like modest Spanx and a push-up yeah. bra. Always. And it's just like Wonder Bra. They also, I think, sold them through Sears because I remember oh, them yeah. being in the Sears catalog. Yeah. And it was always, yeah, a woman in like not biker shorts, like before biker shorts. It was like Spanx and mm -hmm. then just like this bra and her boobs were just like up to her chin. <laughs> and it was like, this is great. <laughs> so in the late 1950s, a Mo Nadler started traveling to Europe to find new styles to bring to the Canadian market. 
1960, Wonderbra introduced a lacy half push-up bra designed in Europe as the pigeonette, meaning pigeon-breasted in French. <laughs> Which I guess they're very, like, plump-chested birds, but... But I've never thought of pigeon as like a good thing, you know, like no. pigeon toad, like my Nana, my Nana, my Nana. Oh, my <laughs> Nana. Just like anytime we're walking in a public place, she'll be like, that girl's awfully bow legged or that guy's awfully pigeon toed. And like, they're not. She's just so hypercritical of everyone. As a very anyway. pigeon toed person. Uh, <laughs> I've never noticed. You don't, you don't need to say it because I see it all in myself I, all the time. I've literally never noticed. It's this whole thing where, so <laughs> for listeners, I don't go to doctors. I'd rather live with chronic pain than like go see doctors for whatever reason. It's you know? true. And my right foot, I have really bad plantar fasciitis. And I have for years. What? Yeah. But I don't want to wear orthotics and stuff. I wear orthotics. But I don't want to. Why? Because they're ugly. They're comfy. (laughs) Anywho, I walk pigeon-toed mostly because of that. I've never known this. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry. Getting to know me. (laughs) Getting to know you. Uh, okay. uh, so anyways, we got pigeon bras. And yeah. in 1961, Nadler directed uh, Louise Poirier to develop a deeply plunged lace push-up bra design numbered the 1300. Like James Bond shit up in here. I guess so. Canadian lady licensed three models. I love that they're like cars. Yeah, right? Oh. <laughs> this is a company ran by a man. I Just really like, thought you meant like licensed three models. Like they got three models to wear these bras, but nope, the bras. No, I like read ahead. I was like, oh, maybe you're right. But nope, it's three models nope. of the bra. I'm pretty sure. So it was the Wonder Bra Dreamlift model, the 1800 oh. design, that became a first oh. UK success in the 1990s. So a European sensation in 1993, and then the one and only Wonder Bra was finally launched in the U.S. in 1994. Wow. In the late 1950s and early 1960s, the majority of women were still wearing highly structured undergarments. Girdles were considered the ladylike norm and represented close to 40% of the industry's sales by volume. So that means, like, more people are buying girdles than bra or underwear okay that is weird i know because it's like a girdle is the one thing that's like not mandatory sort of i don't know i guess for them it's not the case but like no the 1960s also brought to canadian lady the challenges of feminism fashions and the sexual revolution Ooh. The feminist movement, cultured by thought leaders like Betty Friedman and Germaine Greer, questioned the mores that defined women's roles and appearances. Changes in fashion trends, such as pantyhose and the rise of the miniskirt, rendered uh, girdles unattractive and obsolete to a generation of women. While the intimate apparel industry fretted about bra burning as a precursor to the decline of all foundation garment sales, Women reserve their animosity for their girdles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and up totally throwing out bras and everything else. Okay. The Canadian sales data for foundation undergarments from 1960 to 1971 vividly demonstrates this shift in taste. So basically, like, the sexual revolution killed the girdle. 
nice down with girdle <laughs> down with girdles that's the that was the whole reason that women yeah. were upset that they had to wear girdles all the time ew gross it's just also the like ugliest word in the english language yeah it is gross it was against this backdrop that the canadian lady corset company had to act so they got to stay relevant they can't be like ah shit let's keep pumping out the same old materials even though people are literally burning them as a symbol of protest yeah but you know you have to keep the company name strong absolutely um you can't you can't let production go down yeah and so basically they're saying like you got to drop the corset from your name like you can't be the canadian lady corset company that's a bit harsh in 1964, Mo Nadler died, and his son, Larry oh. Nadler, inherited control of the company. R.I.P. Mo. R.I.P. Mo. Larry was a Harvard-trained MBA and brought modern business marketing strategies to the industry. He commissioned market research that identified women's feelings about intimate apparel. Women did not hate their bras. Rather, they saw bras as means to feel and look beautiful, to be fashionable and sexy, and to attract men. While women sometimes went braless, they were making a fashion choice and not a political statement. Canadian ladies' management knew that girdles were out, but bras would remain an essential part of a woman's wardrobe. So in the 1960s, while competitors were cutting back on their bra marketing and diversifying in other products, Canadian lady aggressively pursued the bra market. So that's Just kind of like how, it. So that's kind of how the Wonder Bra kind of came to own the Canadian market. Okay. of bras because everybody else is like the feminists are burning bras they don't want to wear bras anymore put all your money into underwear and socks <laughs> and wonder bras like well we'll just keep making bras actually we'll just make some bras later larry nadler identified an age-based uh bifurcation in the market so okay. younger women aged 15 to 20 regarded their bras as an enhancement to their sexuality but were not interested in a heavily structured garment okay Nadler learned that women wanted less bra, not no bra. So in okay. 1974, they introduced a new line of brassieres for teens called Dickie by Wonderbra. Um, Whoa, is the brand Dickie by Wonderbra? So it's not spelled like that. It's D-I-C-I. Okay. I'm just assuming it's pronounced Dickie, but it might be Dicci. Okay. okay. Um, anyways, they invented uh, new hot fabric molding technologies to shape the cup. So that's like a soft cup. Okay. Bra, I guess that's cool these bras were seamless and uh, simply designed with less support than a typical bra from the era the company designed special packaging with the shape of a die with holes so like dice oh cool is weird it? weird it's kind of cool. weird <laughs> <laughs> hey I've never seen packaging like that it's unique <laughs> unique doesn't mean good though it's true <laughs> In 1966, Canadian Lady made several important changes to their advertising strategy. They introduced television advertising and changed the emphasis from the product to the brand. Ooh. Ads attempted to build consumer awareness of the single brand name, Wonderbra. Wonderbra. Market research showed that women did not want girdles advertised on television. <laughs> I, they we don't. don't want no girdle. I don't want a girdle. <laughs> Girdles were seen as armor against sex, while bras provided a means to attraction. So it's like, don't look at me. I still have my girdle on. Yeah. Oh, so this is the dice packaging. Oh, yeah. I would like to see, please. So there's like dice on the side, like die spots on the side. Yeah. Fancy. 
Instead of being hidden unmentionables, Wonder Bras became more visible icons of female sex appeal. The company used pricing to promote Wonder Bra as a luxury product with the highest price of any mass merchandise brand. Okay. This strategy also provided greater profits in a very competitive industry. The goal to have women see their Wonder Bras as cosmetic, a beauty enhancer, rather than a functional garment. Right. Which has definitely had a legacy. Like, yeah. Like, you want your bras to be cute. My bras have gotten sufficiently, like, less cute since I left high school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, as I've gotten older, it's just like, what bras am I going to be able to hide the best undershirts? That's and the like, one I want. <laughs> what's comfy? And what's comfy? Like, this sparkle shit? Not for me. Playtex, which was the leading brand at the time, promoted the easy care and durability of their girdles and brassieres. So comparing to Wonder Bra, who's like, no, this is like a fun, flirty cosmetic item, not fun like... Fun and flirty, yeah. Fun and yeah. flirty, yeah. Beginning in 1967, the advertising focused exclusively on Wonder Bra brand brassieres. In 1968, Nadler hired Goodist Advertising to develop a new campaign. The Wonder Bra ads were based on fashion and emotional appeal. In various ads, the man would appear as a fashion photographer or fashion buyer. The storyline suggested an attraction or budding romance between the man and the woman. The voiceover and the jingle featured a man's voice and the commercial showed an actual woman's torso naked except for the bra. No way. All other television ads before this would show brassiers on a mannequin. Or a dressmaker's dummy. So no this is the first way. time it's like a woman in a bra on TV. Scandalous. <laughs> At least in an ad. But yeah. yeah. Every Wonder Bra advertisement contained versions of the musical theme, We Care About the Shape You're In, Wonderful, Wonderful Wonder Bra. The 1979 television campaign included a commercial directed by Richard Avedon, who won a silver award for advertising in Canada. Big shot. The Dickie Wonder Bra television advertisements started in 1974. The brand was positioned to young women as a more natural alternative to heavily structured bras worn by their mothers. Fuck you, mom. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be like you, mom. (laughs) There's no better advertising appeal to young girls than fuck you, mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The animated ads featured the iconic die-shaped packaging. A bra exited the box like a bird then metamorphosized into a seagull and flew away. The tagline... Wait, 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 no, no. Okay, okay, just just back up for a sec. I'm going to need you to say all of that again. <laughs> so the bra comes out of the box, flapping... That looks like a dice. That looks like a, a die. That looks okay. like a dice, and then it's right. flapping like a bird, and then it metamorphosizes into a seagull and flies so, away. So the bra starts off flapping? Yes. And turns into a seagull. And then becomes a bird, yes. <laughs> it's just, that's me pitching it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so this, this is a bra, right? But it's also a fucking bird. <laughs> a fucking bird. Okay. And this was apparently to reinforce the spirit of freedom and nature of a wonder, uh, of these, like, dicky wonder bras. And the tagline is, let it be dicky, dicky or nothing. <laughs> These, this, none of this goes together. I don't. A th- dice, a bird, a bra, oh, like, I mean, clearly Let it be dicky like, or let it be nothing. Like, I don't get it. Clearly it's good advertising research because it works. Like, it's a very guess, successful yeah. brand. But it's just like part of it is just like as a teenage girl, I don't know if I would have been like, that's fucking tight. 
Yeah. That's the bra I want. <laughs> so from 1972 to 1977, the company doubled its wholesale revenue. By 1979, Canadel dominated 30% of the Canadian market and $27 million in sales. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a lot, like, now. That's a lot back then. So it's, like, by far the most popular bra company in Canada. Around 1991, um, Gossard was selling the Wonder Bra lines under licenses that were going to expire in January of 1994. Okay. Soon after the negotiations started, something unexpected happened. At the time, the plunge style was a good seller in the UK market. In 1991 and 1993, UK sales of that Wonder Bra style quadrupled. Several factors might have contributed to this boom, including an article in British Vogue on the return of the padded bra, a Vivian Westwood-inspired fad for corsetry, and the Gaulier, Gaulier, I don't know rich people's names. They're hard. That's okay. Driven for a yearning for underwear as outerwear. (laughs) So then Wonder Bra was like, yes, we still get to dominate the market. In 1994, the Wonder Bra achieved a high profile for its racy Hello Boys campaign. I will now show you the uh, Hello commercials. Boys. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. Okay. It's very, there's a lot of cleavage. I see you. <laughs> there's an urban myth attributed to this billboard where it's like a woman in a black bra and panties and like her tits are up to her neck, um, which love that for her. Um, there's an urban myth attributed to this that it caused uh, a number of car accidents because it was distracting drivers on the highway, um, but there's no actual proof of this. I believe it, especially if it's not like everywhere. I mean, God, I like you can't get away from seeing half-naked bodies in today's media, I feel. But if that like wasn't the norm, if you're used to seeing ladies in turtlenecks, I mean, I feel like you're driving on the freeway and it's like, bam, boobs. So at some point, Sarah Lee purchases Wonderbra. Why? Well, I mean, it's a good move for them. I'm just not exactly sure when it happens because they go from being rivals to being the same company. And so there's a Playtex division of Sara Lee, and they were given the responsibility of introducing the Wonder Bra style to the United States. Um, so this is the same bra that's super successful in the UK. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's not doing as well in the US. I guess a big part of the reason it wasn't working was because Victoria's Secret had just launched Miracle Bra, which is also a very famous push-up bra. And so they launched the same sort of billboard uh, slogans. But the U.S. catch lines are like so much cringier for whatever reason. Mm. The Wonder Bra slogans. So it's that picture. But instead of like, hello, boys, it says, who cares if it's a bad hair day? (laughs) Or look me in my eyes and tell me that you love me. Ew. I know. I just It's bad. That's gross. I don't like that. The $25 million campaign uh, worked in conjunction with ongoing media interests in the bra. Although Playtex promoted the authenticity of their one and only Wonder Bra, the rapid introduction of the competitive products meant that the overall U.S. market benefited from a 43% increase in push-up bra sales. Following the 1994 launch, the U.S. Wonder Bra has expanded from a single push-up bra design to a broader lingerie line. The brand remains popular in the world as a product as part of the cultural lexicon. So yeah, like the word yeah. Wonder Bra. As of late, the only significant thing is that um, 
Wonder Bra. The Wonder Bra trademark uh, was Sarah Lee owned, and then they sold it to Hanes. Yeah. Uh, who, in my mind, mostly makes men's underwear, but they also own Wonder Bra. Yeah. Uh, and they yeah. sell it at Walmart because of that, because Hanes is a Walmart product, and they sell Wonder Bra at Walmart. Yeah, and that's, in my mind, that's what Wonder Bra is. It's like a cheap yeah. bra. It's not a, like, luxury, sexy bra. But it's, yeah. at one point, it was, like, the sex symbol of the Canada. Bra. The yeah. bra. Um, and they were the first ones to do it. They were the first ones to say, like, you should be proud of your bra, not, like, trying to hide it or using yeah. it as a thing of function, which is a sexually liberating thing for women. And I think I that's like pretty that. cool. Yeah, I think that is pretty cool. So thanks for taking a minute to talk about the Wonder Bra with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Grace. Thanks for sharing that. I like that a lot. That's interesting. I ha- like that. I had no idea about. That wasn't like, oh yeah, I'd heard that. I really thought you were gonna go over the zipper. And we should do like, the zipper cool. at some point. We can do the zipper and the zamboni. Talking oh. about Z Canadian invention. I wonder if the zamboni. I don't know it all, but I wonder oh, if okay. the zamboni comes up at all in the bombardier episode because eventually we will do Ooh. bombardier and he did he invented like skidoos and other things like that so i don't know i wonder i, I don't know i will say however that zamboni much like wonder bra and kleenex it, it's called an ice it's called an ice resurfacer oh yeah um, yeah it's a, uh, like currently branding. where i work at the lunenburg county lifestyle center we just purchased a new ice resurfacer and it's an olympia so we can't actually call it a Zamboni because it's not. But do you think that stops everyone from calling it the Zamboni? Well, we really hope that you had a minute to listen to the story of Wonderbra and how it's a great Canadian invention. And we look forward to sharing our next Have You Got a Minute with you. Yeah, and if you haven't gotten enough of us, you can go over to our website, minutewomenpodcast.ca. You can check out all of our old episodes there, as well as links to our social media pages. And you can also go check out our merch store, which, you know, if you want to send us a little money, that's the best way to support the podcast right now. And you can get yourself something nice. Um, And other than that, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. And share it with all of your friends. Word of mouth is the best review. It sure is. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.